let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we're back in your ears once again. The beer is in the glass, and we're ready to go, aren't we, Martin? I've got I've got three beers lined up at the moment, but it's all the same beer. <laughs> yeah, and, well, the thing is, the first one uh, that we're going to be featuring this week, it's actually something a little bit different for us, because it's a beer that we've made, isn't it? Yes, um, <laughs> we've made, yes. I can't, I, I can't, I'm sorry, I just can't bring myself to use the word brood. I've not, I'm, I'm, I've, I've I'm not glad you didn't, <laughs> and um, throughout the whole of this show, Steve and I will try to avoid saying we have brewed beer, because it's patently not true. No, no, the, 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 the ingredients have done the work for us. Yes. Uh, we just mix them together and we've, we've made beer. So um, what have you got in your glass? Because I know we've both made something different, haven't we? I have got a California common lager in my glass. Excellent. Which is looking rather good, actually. What, what have you got in yours, though, Steve? I have got uh, Saison. Uh, it's 4%. And it is also looking um, really nice. It's got a nice kind of fluffy, almost sort of foamy ice cream type head to it. Um, I'm really happy with with, with how that's come out. Um, should we give these a, a, a try? I and, think so. and then we can talk about the what we're doing here, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. Cheers. So how's your um how's your lager? It's nice. <laughs> Sorry, I said that with a surprised voice, didn't I? Yeah. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how this one was going to come out. The lager. Um, yeah, it's it's smooth. It's got a slightly uh, creamy mouth feel. Uh, it's it says it's a bit of a fresh West Coast gem. I mean, it has definitely got some fruity notes. It has got a bit of that sort of malty caramel background, but you might get a bit more of the common lager because it's often a little bit darker, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in, the, in its colour, uh, I suppose. California, would the, would the steam, like Anchor it's, Steam be the closest? An- Anchor Steam beer is kind of the benchmark of the style, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I, th- I think that would be a fair assessment on that one. Um, <laughs> it's just nice i mean I, you know and it's got a nice carbonation it hasn't got an over too overt fizziness but there is definitely just a light carbonation going through it all the way through mm-hmm. um so initial feelings are it's good four percent only as well you you do seem really surprised mate. i see I, I am surprised. <laughs> listeners can't see your face right now but you do look genuinely shocked i think it's just because it's the lager aspect of it because if you just got a lager, you know, if you t- if you listen to proper brewers, whether they be home or otherwise, there's no hiding place with a lager, is what I've always heard. Mm-hmm. You know, you you have to get it right. There's nothing you can hide behind. Um, so yes, I am a little bit surprised because also a bit like you, I've done a little bit of research on this, and I know that some people experiences a bit flat, taste wasn't right. Um, I feel that I've got it where they intended it to be and you've and you've managed that in just over a week as well haven't you so it's this i mean this is no lager that's been sat in a cellar for 90 days is it yeah this isn't a boudoir let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's be clear about this so it it got made it got made uh on 
Sunday and no Saturday afternoon and then it went in the fridge on Friday morning so it has actually conditioned for two days longer than they specify so they specify six days brewing time and two days conditioning but because I was away for the weekend it was in the fridge job done basically had four days sitting in there mm-hmm. um, so I don't know whether it's I think it's still the way they intended it to, but I don't know if it would have been like that if I'd done it yesterday morning for example yeah. if I tapped it so, like I said, I, I suppose the, the, the key bit for me is it's nice. Yeah. Um, and we should probably say at this point, by they, because we, we've not actually introduced um, this thing that we're talking <laughs> about. We've not, we've not introduced who they are. Um, so we were sent um, a pinter uh, home brewing making beer system um which is from the greater good fresh brewing co um they very kindly sent us both over a pinter unit and two beers of our choice each so between us we've actually made four different beers haven't we we have um but i think we should find out what your saison is like steve yes um it's it's nice um it's no, if it was thinking back to where we, we spoke about how your benchmark for the style would, would be Anchor Steam, if, if I'm going for a straight up Saison benchmark being Saison DuPont, this is not that. It is it's quite a way <laughs> for, from that. Um, it is very, very light. It's uh, the carbonation on it is, is lovely. It's actually perfect. It's nice and prickly, like like you would want from a from a saison, and it is still very very lively in the glass as well. And again, me holding the glass up to the video is doing nothing for our listeners. <laughs> um, but it's got a, a bit of a, a bit of a lemony hit in there, uh, and very 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 subtle belgian notes in, in in the background no real funk going, going on no real saison funk um all in all it's it's a it's a very rounded beer i think i just wanted a bit more from 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 the taste i maybe wanted a little bit more a little bit more belgian a little bit more funk maybe a little bit of pepper and, and and none of that's really coming through however that doesn't take away from the fact that what i've made is a four percent beer that's exceptionally sessionable yeah because i mean saison dupont is very easy to drink but definitely wouldn't be classed as sessionable would it um i mean you're right i mean if you had turned around and said yes i have made a four percent version that is as good as saison dupont i think we probably just would have had to stop the recording anyway to be honest yeah i could um, start putting that shit in bottles and selling it well exactly <laughs> be like uh, peckham springs wouldn't it yeah you know i think probably you know probably let's discuss the process being we both brewed as you said one other beer before that so i did uh one, one which was called stars and stripes american pale ale and the california common lager is called west nouveau um this was a 4.5 percent the stars and stripes a hoppy american dream pale ale um and again it hit the notes that they described i mean again it had a very much a soft mouthfeel creamy um it was a bit obviously a bit more hoppy and fruity than the, the California common. But again, it was really nice. Um, I enjoyed it. That lasted over the course of five days doing the, doing pause. So literally unit into the fridge, unit back out the fridge, let it settle and then, and then pour it. So I have to admit I've, I've used it twice and both times I've been very satisfied with the outcome. 
Maybe not so much. My my first brew was uh, Dark Matter, which is a, a, an espresso stout. And again, that that's coming in at 4.4%. Now, the, the problem that I found with that was when I, um, again, followed the in, instructions to the letter with, with it. They're very easy instructions to, to use. It's all it's all video based, is, isn't it? And yes, it, it, and it takes, basically animation, isn't it? Yeah, and it takes about, in total, probably about less than five minutes to, to, to watch through the videos to take you through each stage of the brewing process. Um, so I followed that. Um, I conditioned, well, I, <laughs> the brewing time, the making time was four days. Um, and then the conditioning time in the fridge was three days. And, 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 and I stuck to those guidelines for, for, for the stout. Um, when it came to, to, to tapping it, um, there's because there's a there's a small dial on the back of the unit that you, you have to move before you start pouring it to let some of the let some of the air out basically um i maybe did that a little bit fast and it was very very lively and uh a lot of my stout exploded out of the back of my machine and was was everywhere it was it was just foaming everywhere out of the out of the back and that then kind of followed through to to pour in it as well because i was just literally getting pint after pint of the foam um so when it eventually did settle and i did manage to get a beer out of it what i got was a a, a fairly straight up roasted stout um that was maybe just a little bit astringent on its bitterness and maybe too much so for for, for the style I, I would have liked a little bit of roasted bitterness but i i didn't get I didn't get that. It was a bit, it was a bit much. Um, and, and I think a few people, um, cause, cause some folk were obviously commenting on what we were doing on Twitter. A few people said, Oh, you should have left this out longer. And you, you know, because each of the brews comes with two lots of times, doesn't it? There's a, that there's, the, there's the recommended time that, that it needs to be sit brewing and conditioning. And then there's an extended time. If, if you want a more rounded, beer so with with the stout i i just went for the standard times but with this uh four saisons saison that i'm drinking that had a lot longer so that had six days of, of brewing time and then it's had seven days conditioning in in the fridge as well so um and it does feel like it's it's a lot more rounded as a beer than the stout was i had none of the same issues you had so on both of the beers i haven't had any leakage, so to speak. I would say you do get a lot of foam, especially initially. I think all the beers say they make 10 pints. Um, I did get a lot of pours, but I think I would have struggled with 10 pints. But the pro by large, instructions are easy to follow. If you want to do no other research and just use their instructions, it works fine. Mm. Um, there's stuff on YouTube. Um, I know that one of us, Steve, uh, had a look, joined the Facebook group um, to get some more top tips. And... Mate, mate, that Facebook group is a rabbit hole. It <laughs> really is. There, there are people on there that are, are simply not satisfied with, with the basic kits that they're sent. And they're doing things like adding, they're, they're like adding brewing sugar um, to, to their brews to increase the ABV. Um, that, that there are people on there putting additional flavours in their stouts. It's quite incredible that the length at which some people have, have, have gone to on, on, on this group. And it's, 
honestly you can just lose yourself reading some of the the the, the things that people are up to with this system if maybe like like you and i because i know we've spoken about this a lot um you've maybe not got the patience or the time or the will to go through the whole process of brewing a beer from start to finish what this is is a very very easy and simple system to to use you literally everything comes in its own pack there's a a video step for every process you watch the video you do it yourself you go through the process of the cleaning process is so easy you just pour a little tube of purifier into the whole system and let that do its work that cleans the system for you um and literally from start to finish when you get your, your your fresh pack through the through the door to having your beer in the position where it's going through its its brewing process um probably takes about 20 minutes unless <laughs> unless yeah there's there is an issue isn't there yes there is um so it's basically a two-part machine um you've got essentially like a big flask which holds the beer both in the brewing and conditioning process feels like maybe it has some sort of vacuum as well because even when you've had it out for a few hours it um, stays pretty cool but the it has a brewing dock and I'm the, again I haven't looked into what the brewing dock does but you need this for the brewing time it has to be connected it can be a pig to connect um, it can be really awkward to connect even though it looks simple and obviously on the animation it looks simple and I did get it done, but this second beer was very close to not happening. Yeah, I, I struggled with that as well. And I think, because um, because you do that twice, don't you? You connect that bit twice, once when you're cleaning. And it seems to connect fine when, when, fine when, you're, when you're cleaning. But then when you've got your, when you've put your water in and you've added your yeast and you've added your, your fresh pack of, 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 of beer extract, trying to then get that brewing dock back on, is is almost impossible and i don't i don't know why i i, I think is it is potentially because of the added volume of liquid that's that's in the base part um but of again using that facebook group as reference uh it's a common problem and and there are a lot of people saying well you should you should do it the other way around so you actually put the brew dock on the floor and then you plug your system in on top because you've got the added weight but the the, the greater good actually say no don't do that because it's too much pressure on on the brew dock there's mm. suggestions around using some um cooking grade silicon or some vegetable oil just on the connector just to help it slide into place easier but but yeah i mean i i the, the second time I, I i made a beer for the saison was a real pig to get that brewing dock on yeah it was worse the second time for me as well. Eventually, I had to take it out into the back garden and literally put my body weight on it nearly. Yeah. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have to do that. No. So for me, there is a design flaw there. Um, and the only other thing I would say is you need space. Not so much during the brewing time because it stands vertical. But the conditioning time is in the fridge. So anyone, any listeners who saw the pictures we've posted, it takes up a pretty good chunk of your fridge. And if that's a family fridge then you're probably losing that bit where the fruit and veg goes. It's not something I would do all the time. That's a part of it, that is the space. 
Um, if I had something coming up where people were coming over, I might think, well, yeah, it's ain't different. You know, for the first couple of hours that people are here, rather than having to worry about, you know, just have some glasses out and that, that maybe outside on a table, I can switch off from certain activities. Like, we, like when we've had um, outdoor stuff at, at Clayton's and someone's brought a keg along and then you don't have to think about it for a while. Well, so, well that's, that's you and I rocking up to the next Clayfest with a pinter under our arm. Then, isn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> we can pretend like we're home brewers. We make beer. Max, Max and James will be so impressed and yeah, Simon too. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm sure they will. Um, just, I, I suppose one final question uh, uh, about it is it, it's it's retail price is is currently 85 pound and uh, and for that you get the, the the unit the brewing dock and you get uh your first two fresh presses as as, as well um having now uh used the system twice um weighing up all the pros and cons do you think that's value for money would would you have you know, we were fortunate to be sent that. Um, mm-hmm. Would you have gone, I'm going to spend £85 on a, on, on a home beer making system? I had seen it last year. And so my curiosity was piqued. Um, I know that my bro- one of my brothers contacted me about it and also my mate Carl, who listens to the show. Um, I think all things considered, even with what I consider to be the design for with the brewing dock um, and the space you require, I think... It is value for money, and it, the two beers I've had have been nice. I haven't, I haven't thrown away the beer because I didn't like the beer. It was just that after five days, I didn't need any more of the same beer, and I think it was starting to turn. What, what do you think on the price? I, I think I think it's good. Um, like, like you say, apart from the the, the, the flaws that, that, that we've spoken about, I do I do think it's a little bit flimsy. I, I think parts of it can feel and look a little bit cheap as, as well. I mean, my, my one in particular um one of the little rubber feet has fallen off the 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 chambers a little bit buckled as 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 well um i seem to have a bit of a problem with my tap handle that that the beer doesn't come out that fast it kind of trickles out rather than that than pours out yeah mine comes out fast when it feels like there's still pressure in there as in you've got to get a foamy head and then it does go to a trickle. So again, maybe that is just something that they haven't quite ironed out yet. There doesn't, there, there isn't like an adjustment you can make to the tap handle, is there? It's no, on the, or it's off. The, there's the adjustment on the back, isn't there, where you can have it. It's either off or it's on carbonated, and you're yeah. supposed to essentially. I, I think one of one of the best um, explanations of that was again on the Facebook group. Someone said it's basically like if you've got a bottle of fizzy drink, the more times you open it, the flatter it's going to get. Yeah, makes sense. So that's Makes that's sense. essentially what that is. But no, I mean, I I can see myself using it. It's been an interesting experiment, and and, and like I say, I'm not going to say for a minute that uh, you and I have brewed beer. No, we have successfully managed to put ingredients together into a sealed unit that has then made beer for us. Yeah, and this is two guys. Well, certainly for me, I hate following instructions when I'm putting anything together. So this was wonderfully well presented in terms of the animation and the steps and every now and again the warning saying are you sure you've done so and so so yeah i like that bit it it does double check you every every step of those videos to say have you done this yeah so there's no getting away getting past it um yeah it was it was an interesting experiment 
I've got beer that will last me now for a few days, um, which is great because I actually wanted a couple of dry days. So I don't know how I'm going to master this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, same here, actually, mate. So same maybe, here. maybe the experiment will be that how does it how does it last until the weekend now? Yeah, and 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 see if it does. I mean, again, their guidelines suggest that once you've tapped it, you've you've got seven days of of, of decent beer. Um, okay, well, it's the follow up for us. I mean, if anyone listening does get, I mean, uh, you know, if anyone listening does what want to try and wants to ask us a bit more about our experiences, please do. Um, but if anyone does give it a go, then we'd be we do want to hear how you get on. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear about people's experiences of, of using this. Well, what we'll do is in in the show notes, we'll put a link to where you can find out all about it and where you can buy one if you're interested. I'll also put a link to the Facebook group because if you are going to invest in one of these, it is worth having a little read through, joining that group and having a read through some people's experiences because I certainly found very quickly, particularly with some of the issues that I've had, that. I wasn't alone in having those issues that other people were having them as well. And it's a really great little community. Everybody's really positive and everybody just provides a lot of help and assistance. Well, while we're continuing to enjoy our homemade beers, uh, let's uh, triumphantly celebrate the return properly this show of Beery Adventures, mate. I know. it's It's been a little while coming, but we've got a few to go. But we've got a few shout-outs first, haven't we, Steve? We, we have. So, obviously, we are um, currently now transitioning back to being able to go out to places and, and, and enjoy visiting places again. Um, but there's, there are still a few um, online events go, going on. And I think we've said a few times in the past that we feel as though this is how things may go now uh especially with sort of new beer launches that breweries want to do um you, you know i know you've said on a number of occasions that it's it's a cost effective way for breweries to bring people together from all over the country and not have to pay out for a venue travel expenses all those sorts of things so there, there's still a few of those going on aren't there yeah and i i i I do think that some of these will continue. I mean, the, the first one we've got on here, Neptune's sixth birthday bash, which they very kindly invited us both to. Um, but what I did notice, that obviously they had the, the launch one and, you know, they had the, the beer they'd done with um, Lost and Grounded, Lost at Sea. But also, I think the week after, they actually did one for people who, who just buy the beers, literally, yeah. for punters. And yeah, they I, had that, a birthday box, didn't they? And yeah. that gave you access to uh, a public uh, online birthday party, wasn't it? Yeah, which I thought was a really nice thing to do and a really good way of engaging, again, directly with their customers. Now, ultimately, the punters are more important than you and I and our, our peers, Steve. So they're the ones who spend the, ca- the hard-earned cash. You know, we, we, Most of the breweries we get involved with, we end up buying the beers. But the regular punters, week in, week out, month after month, who buy the beers, they're the ones who are important to the to the, the breweries. So to start engaging with them in different ways, I think works really well. Um, and it was a it was a, you know again spending a bit of time virtual as it is with um, Julie Les was excellent. Really 
it, it was a very fun evening. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, and we also got to attend um, an evening with Budvar as, as well, who have uh, were introducing their new brand ambassador. Um, and they did that through, uh, again, the medium of, uh, of Zoom. Um, but we had uh, three beers that, that, that were sent over to us. So the Budvar Original, Budvar Dark and the Budvar Reserve. But then they also sent some cheese as, as well to go with the beers. Um, so it became like a beer and cheese pairing. And there was also uh, an instruction on how to do some marinated cheese. Now, I didn't do that because obviously not really my thing. Did, did you do that? You've just reminded me. It's in the fridge. <laughs> I did do it because I had to get the time. Again, I had to get the timing right to coincide with me coming back from my weekend away. Oh, I've got cheese to eat later. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll have to let us know how that tasted. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, again, it was a fun evening. It felt that one. I felt they were really conscious of the time. Um, you know, we, we did three beers and then the three beers paired with cheese. And we, it was fairly much kept to the one hour. Yes, so it did, yeah. It, it was quick, and two of those bottles were five hundreds. It felt it felt a little rushed at, at points, um, but yeah, I guess I guess I guess you didn't have to drink all of the beer in in, in one go, did you? But um, no, again, and and that's probably one of the events that I've been to where there was also a lot of people on that, weren't there? There was sort of upwards of 40, 40 yeah. people on on that one. But again, you can have 40 people. You haven't got to find a room which holds 40 people. You just need to find a Zoom connection. Yeah. So again, it works really well. And, you know, good luck to Radic in his role as brand ambassador. Um, and as ever, I enjoyed the Budvar beers. Yeah, always, always enjoyable that they are. And, and then the other online um, event was probably the biggest one was well, Al, obviously <laughs> of course was our very own opinions and friends um summer sesh which was kind of in a way was us maybe saying goodbye to doing things online as as things begin to transition back to some sort of normality yeah although i would add the caveat there for the reasons of covid maybe we're saying goodbye fingers crossed but noting my earlier comments about um, breweries maintaining an online presence through this medium of using Zoom to connect with people, we will never manage to connect with everyone who listens to the show, who gets involved on Twitter, regardless of where we pick as a venue for, you know, the summer sesh, what was the Crimbo Crawl, because it's not going to be convenient for everyone. So I wouldn't say it's definitely gone, but we may not try to do it over three days ever. <laughs> Ever again. <laughs> never, never say never, mate. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I think it was uh, it was a challenge for you and I certainly to to, to go the course on on the three days. Um, but really, really grateful to, to to those friends of ours that joined us and and and, and ran sessions. So um, thanks to Luke and ha Andrew who did the uh, Friday night live with with Rhythm and Brews, uh, which was even more fun than I had expected it was going to be. Um, yeah, it was great. Yeah. So some of the ways that uh, some of the music choices went, um, Luke just randomly jamming on his guitar in the, 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 the middle of a song. That was, that, that was, a, that was a great evening and certainly set us up for, for what was to come as, as, as well. Um, on, on the Saturday, we uh, obviously started off with, the uh what and again I, I was quite surprised um we had a virtual tour of of, of brew york with, with with lee 
But didn't it work well? Because it it was he it was his friend at the brewery walking around with the laptop following him. Yeah. It was I've got to say, it it's one of the best brewery tours I've ever been on. And I and I wasn't <laughs> actually there. <laughs> yeah, well, there's I think there's probably two reasons for that. One is um I think uh, Lee's Lee's personality and passion for the brewery really came across. But it's a brewery tour where you could drink constantly through the tour. Yes. Normally you're having to wait until you get to the end, aren't you? Yeah. Sometimes they might give you a little uh, a drink before you start so that you're not dying at first by the time you get to the end of it. But a lot of the times, for very good reasons, you can't walk around with glass <laughs> at a brewery site with all that equipment going on. So, yes, I think there was that as well. But it was it, it was really well done. And then the q and I think we did do the full two hours with Lee at Brew York. Yeah, yeah. And, and I have to say, and I think I said this during the session, um, that... I uh, am still struggling, still now, a couple of weeks on, to understand why we haven't had Lee on the show yet. And <laughs> I, I, I know, I know he listens. So, 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 so Lee, we are going to have you on uh, at some point because we had so much fun with you that afternoon. It was great that you joined us on the Saturday evening as well. But um, I think there's a lot more of our listeners that would really enjoy listening to what you've got to say about. Um, pretty much everything <laughs> you know and like you say the saturday night he joined us um and you know again thanks to all the listeners who joined us on the saturday evening and then we got into sunday and we start off with the most chilled oh that was beautiful <laughs> that sunday afternoon wasn't it uh you know rob doing his social distancing sounds live um a couple of times putting the vinyl on track two instead of track one you know and you know and then maybe the odd expletive coming out, and um, but just some of the tunes he chose, lovely eclectic mix, the interaction with people on the, on the calls as well. Um, that was just that that hour and forty five flew by. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there was um, a lot of people saying on the chat as well that we need to make this a regular thing. Um, but yeah, it was it was so it was so chilled. It was exactly what I hoped it, it would be for that Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And, and it was great to see as, as well as, as a contrast to the Friday night where we kept the conversation going with the music in the background, that on the Sunday, the music very much took the forefront and people had their mute on. You could just see people bopping away, their heads bopping away and just like really enjoying the music. And yeah, it just, it just all came together so well. Yeah, no, it was excellent. So, you know, Rob, we love you, man. That was brilliant. Yeah, cheers, cheers Rob. And and then just we finished the, the the weekend with just a few chilled beers in the evening, um, which, yeah, it was. Uh, it ended up being a very long weekend. Um, it, it, it was, and and obviously thanks to Paul at Two Brews for uh, curating the box for the Saturday evening session, so that people could join in with us as well. Uh, I do just want to thank everybody that joined us for a session, everyone that got involved. Uh, we had a great time. It was it was a it, it was a really good weekend of just enjoying drinking with people online. Just in, it was just enormous fun. Um, I'm I'm quite happy to have a break from doing that with with listeners and hoping to bump into people. But uh, if that was the big hurrah, it's a good one to remember. Of course, yeah, for, for, for sure. To again extol the virtue, virtues of this online beer world that we've discovered via the medium of Zoom, um, Clayton and I facilitated another virtual beer tasting at work, which I think is our, our fifth one now, um, hosted by the Rambling Beer Man, Joe Llewellyn-Jones and beer sommelier Sarah Hyde. Um, but we actually included our Dutch and Belgian colleagues as well. 
So there's a few people who have always followed us, our interaction on the work intranet site. And we found a way that with Joe and the bottle shop in Amsterdam, we could get the same beers to both the UK and the EU without trying to go through the whole extortionate process of going from the UK to the EU now. So we managed to get it done, a little bit different in costs. Um, we had four beers each. The third beer was a different a different beer, but you know we both, all of us finished off on a big beer. So we finished off on Fierce Beer, Very Big Moose. And um, the uh, EU colleagues finished off on Oscar, Oscar Blues, 10 Fiddy. So we all finished off on some good numbers there. So excellent night, really good fun. And it just did, again, show that we can do a lot of sharing via this medium. However, getting out of the house has been fucking brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Not only getting out of the house, being allowed to go into somewhere else at the same time afterwards as well. Yeah, that's that's been the best bit is, is being able to go back inside again because I have, have got to say as much as I've enjoyed um, going back to pubs and bars, I am fucked off with sitting in the cold outside. Yes. Um, I've had enough of that shit to, to so, last me a lifetime. So go on. I know that your first adventure out in a pub was before my one. So, Steve, where did you go first? Well, I went to the Vic, <laughs> obviously. Um the, the that they that they opened back up uh the the wednesday of, of, of the week where um you were able to go inside uh i couldn't go on the wednesday night but i, I went down on the, the the thursday evening for for a couple of hours and it was just it was just so nice to be back inside um you know yes table service still exists um you have to check in that sort of thing you've got to wear a mask when you're walking about but these are these are small prices to pay for being able to sit at a table and drink a pint of um their Colchester Brewery ambassador served through a sparkler in three goes um, because it was just tasting so delicious. Um, and presumably you moved away from the cast, didn't you, Steve? I, I did because they had uh, had kernel on. Um, so there were pints of kernel. They also had um, some, they had five points railway porter on, on keg as, as well. So um, I had one of those. And, and I think as, as we were, as we were heading to the Vic, I said to M, um, we, we had a two hour booking and, and I said to him, this is a five pint session. And she was like, what? I was like, no, it's, 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 it's five pints in, 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 in two hours. And it was, and so I started off with two pints of cask and, and then uh, I think they had Hamilton N1, Colonel Mosaic IPA, and then five points railway port to finish. I, I was a very, very happy man. Uh, when when I left the Vic, I have to say, um, isn't it isn't it nice what you said there at the start? These were small things you have to do. Then why the fuck there's so many? Why is there still there is a sizable minority of people who want to try and avoid doing those things? Oh, I don't know. I'm I'm getting more and more frustrated with people that are like, oh, I'm not going back to a pub until I can stand at the bar, and it's like fine. I'm quite happy for you to never come to the pubs that I drink in, if that's your attitude, because you're you're part of the problem for for a lot of people. Yeah, um, maybe we'll get to that because when it, uh, you know, I I went to Plymouth this weekend um, to go and see my son at university. Um, I could have waited till he came home in a couple of months, but it was a good reason to get down there, and I haven't seen him for six months. But on the way to Plymouth, I decided to meet up with an ex-colleague, a good friend of mine. Um, at a pub near Monument because it's on the way to Paddington 
So I went to Fuller's The Hydrant. So we met up there and um, I had already, uh, he'd, he'd already booked a table. All nicely set out. Um, the Hydrant always has a fairly decent selection of drinks outside of the Fuller's range. On cast, they had Pride and Hophead, um, but they had a fairly decent range of keg beers and uh, I think they've upgraded their fridge selection as well. Um, but however, I saw Colonel. So I bypassed everything, went for Colonel. Straight for it, yeah. Yeah. Pale Ale, Stitcher, Equinot, on tap. Uh, really nice. Although, and I sent you the picture, Steve, it looked really murky. And I was going, oh, this is, because I never bother checking. It's Colonel, I'll just go through it. Yeah. The hazy bit, I expect that with a Colonel a lot of the time, especially on draft. But, it still unmistakably tasted and smelled like a kernel beer. You know, that earthiness, that earthy quality to it. Didn't have the thickness of a murky beer, but it didn't half look it. I was a, I have to admit, there was a little period of time where it sat in front of me and I was going, what if I don't like it? Oh, how, how can you even ask yourself that question? Well, they have put Sabro in a beer once. That's the, well, a couple of times now. They put it in a dark beer as well now. Oh, are they? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. But yeah, I did. I was a bit nervous, but it was fine. Good enough, I had another two. And then I had a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. However, my colleague only had two beers. So we had six beers in total. And it was £50. That's uh, that's pricey. It is pricey. And um, you were in the centre of London as well. Uh, yeah. And Fuller's pubs, I do know this bit because I've got two Fuller's pubs near work. Uh, Fuller's pubs are very expensive. Um you may recall a couple of times with after we've done the recording, Steve, you can take a bit of hit on your card if there's three or four of you in there. Um, but I also got a service charge, which I hadn't noticed at the time because I did what I was keen to get my tube. And that was 12.5% on top of everything else I paid as well. And given the beers were £7.50 for the Colonel and £7 for the Sierra Nevada, I was a bit surprised given that I hadn't ordered any food and I can't go to the bar. Yeah, it's a bit, that feels a bit cheeky. <laughs> So, because they have they have to provide table service at the moment. Yes, that's, that's not an, that's not an option. It's not about not tipping or anything like that. It's just that I haven't got a choice at that particular moment in time. So they, if they want me to have beer, they need to serve me. And on the receipt, they say a service charge will be added if you're having food. But I didn't have food, so I was a little bit disappointed with that because. At the price of those beers, you wouldn't necessarily expect them to add anything on. Um, yes, I'm in the square mile. Yes, I'm in the city. Yes, people are well off. But I know that I can go to the Pelt Trader five minutes away um, and I can get Colonel under six quid. So a couple of rounds, you've almost had a free pint in comparison to the Fullers. Mm, yeah. But it was nice to be in the pub and it was nice to be sitting there at the table, not outside where it was raining or cold. Um, and, and enjoy my drink but I just the, the cost did catch me out and the service charge put me out a little bit as well I mean I know I know we've heard and and certainly on, on online people are saying that obviously the cost of drinking is is, is going to go up and you've, you've got to expect that you know breweries have had the, the, the toughest year ever and you would expect them to put a slight increase on the price of their beer as that goes through the distribution system, everyone's putting their little bit on as as, as well to to continue to make a profit. And I've I've, I've no I've no issue with, with paying a little bit more for for my beer at the moment because I'm you know particularly maybe with cask maybe we're getting closer 
to the true value of, of what we should be paying for cask rather than expecting it to be cheap. Um, but yeah, yeah uh, it's prices are creeping up and I, th I think we have to be careful because it could be very easy. It could very quickly get to a point where some people are like, well, you've actually priced me out of the market there. I'm going back to drinking at home. Yes. And that would be my concern as well. Now, like I said, just for the balance, I, that's what I said about the Pelt Trader, which is only five minutes away. Um, Brewdog isn't, for, isn't that much further away, and Brewdog's not expe as expensive either. But Fuller's, and I think probably especially since maybe they've uh, split between the brewing and being a pub co, mm. and then I think I've seen a bit more of an increase. But it can't be travel because Colonel is like two miles away from where I was drinking it. Yeah, and, and I suppose the flip side of that is the drinks that we had in the Vic so I had five pints M had three pints we had eight pints and it was only just over 40 quid so that obviously rounded out at just over a five or a pint yeah and like, again I'm the same as you I'm expecting some up, uplift but I do think certain places just need to be careful because for a long time people have got used to having quality at home yeah and that doesn't just apply to our world macro quality as well people yeah. if people have got used to buying a pack of tw a six pack, a pack of twelve, or even a slab of twenty four. Then suddenly you go back and you're you're spending six seven quid on a pint of Peroni or something. You could still put those people off as well, and they're the people who make up a big big percentage of the market. Yeah, and and there's never been so much choice of, available online either as there, and you, you know that's still there now. That's that that's a legacy of, of 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 what we've been through in this last year is that there is now more availability to buy direct from breweries and direct from bottle shops online. And yeah, if 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 pubs if pubs do start pushing that too far, it's uh, it's not a huge leap. I, I would have thought to people suddenly going, well, you, you know those four, five, six visits to the pub a month, maybe they're only two visits and I'm going to spend the other time drinking at home. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, again, there was a few people who, you know, seemed a bit surprised about having to check in and wearing the mask once they were moving around. Not really sure why, because I'm not sure that much has changed in that, in that respect uh, from the pre-lockdown situation we had when we were indoors. So uh, the acting dumb is just starting to grate Oh, do we? Oh, why? And it's like, fuck's sake, just do it. Yeah, because nothing's changed. That's why. Do you, do you think? Do you think they want to be doing this at the door every time someone comes in? It's just, it, it was grating on me. I have to admit, um, but I did get to Plymouth eventually. My my meta power for for um, travel delays worked well on the tube and the train, so I was an hour and a half late getting into Plymouth. Um, but enjoyed a couple of pints of tribute at the pub near where me and Michael had some uh, very nice dinner. And then on the Saturday, popped over to see Sam at Vessel Beer Shop. Um, so he hasn't gone back to doing indoors uh, because he wants the indoors just to be for the uh, bottle shop space at the moment. But he's got some space outdoors. Um, again, we were lucky with the weather on Saturday. That wouldn't have worked on the Sunday because Sunday in Plymouth had just tipped it down literally all day. Um, but we got a nice little spot and I started off with Braybrook Hells, um, which I think he is almost having as his house lager, at least for the summer. And a couple of pints of that went down so well, 4.2% in the sunshine. Perfect. It's such a good, such a good beer. It's got all the qualities you want in the Hells. They are really nailing it, I'd have to say, from Braybrook. 
um, and then followed up with the uh, duration. Um, one of the, the West Coast Dipper, gracefully face down, an 8% double IPA. So I had uh, two halves of that as well. Um, very nice. Um, definitely hit the star boxes for the West Coast. And I think one of the, is it, I don't know if Duration have done a dipper before. I can't recall I think, them doing it. I think a couple it. of times they, they have, yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, really nice. And again, just another another Westie that's available out there again. Um, so yeah, that was, you know, and then I popped off to a fish bar, which had paired up with Salcombe Brewery um, on the outside terrace. So you could have your fish and chips and you had a choice of taps as well, which was quite a nice idea. And then I think Michael got a bit fed up with the beery side of our, our journey. I had warned him. He gave me no other options. So I said, well, I got recommended to go to Rome Brewery. And um, do you have to Rome to get there? I mean, Plymouth's got too many hills for stars. Um, and it's all uphill from the centre. So by the time I got there, I was ready to have their hills where I got there as well. And then had their stout. And then beer wise I was pretty much done that day. I think I finished off Saturday with a, gl- a glass of red wine and an espresso martini, as it turned out, um, because the weather had cleared beautifully compared to the rest of the weekend. And I just sat down overlooking the harbour. Um, very nice it was too. So that was my Saturday. And um, while I sip some more beer, I'm going to let you chat for a bit, Steve, because you did have a very good beery adventure, didn't you? Uh, yes, mate, because uh, while you were down sunning yourself on the south coast, I had headed slightly north in in what's uh, possibly one of the quickest turnarounds to us having a guest on the show and us saying we must visit. Uh, I went to Round Corner um, <laughs> in, in, in Melton Mowbray following, uh, following Combi being on the last show. That's a 12-day uh, turnaround, Steve. I know. I just... Um, I just really wanted to go, and, and and we had a we had a spare weekend. Um, Emma's birthday's coming up, so uh, I took her for a treat <laughs> to to Round Corner. Um, not sure who it was more of a treat for, whether it was for her or me, but um, we certainly had uh, a great day there. It was nice to meet Combi in person. Um, also met Dan, who was their their bar manager and um, trainee brewer, um, and just just like a really friendly crowd. Um, Combi showed us around the brewery. We got to have a look around the livestock market and the site. And, you know, everything you spoke about in the last show, it's all there. We, we got to see it all. Uh, and then just really, really enjoyed drinking their beers in, in their tap room and drank far too much um, black lager. Uh, their gunmetal black lager is, is absolutely stunning. It's just so drinkable. Um, and there's an also, also an imperial version of it that's barrel aged that we were drinking pints of uh it's like seven and a half percent and we were we were drinking pints of imperial black lager at four or five o'clock in the afternoon but yeah uh just just a really great little day out it was um it, it was nice to visit a brewery and sit in the tap room and just have that whole experience again and did you try any pork pies or cheese um we uh we bought some cheese uh, we we got there a little bit earlier and we headed into town because there's a couple of uh, cheesemongers in are they, are they cheesemongers is that a thing or have I just made that up I know cheese shops um, so we, we we went into one called the Melton Cheese Board um, and the the woman in there was so helpful uh, we kind of were saying what we what we wanted and what they had so we picked up a few cheeses uh, and our intention was to um, 
as the evening sort of drew in and it, it got a bit colder, we were going to um, take away some beer from the tap room. We were going to go back to the hotel and we were going to have some cheese and, and, and beer. However, the aforementioned seven and a half percent imperial black barrel aged lagers uh put pay to that so we didn't actually get around to having the the cheese while we were there uh but we did have it over the weekend and, and anyway and there were some delightful cheeses there uh and a nice little selection uh including some local ones as, as well excellent so well worth the visit to round corner a- absolutely yeah uh if if you are visiting there's uh melton doesn't really have a lot else to offer um drinks wise uh a, a lot of, sort of very traditional pubs with very standard taps um so you are going purely for round corner um but if you're staying over the premier inn is quite literally overlooks the brewery um so it's a two minute walk to to, to the brewery um so well, nice and easy to get on the way two minute walk on the way there and about 10 minutes after all that imperial lager yes yeah yeah but that that was great i had a had, had a really good time and then um on, on on sunday we had to to get back to colchester because we were we were meeting some friends in in, in town to drink more alcohol um and yeah we went into colchester and went to three wise monkeys uh which is becoming a bit of a a standard visit for us now um because they also seem to have a lot of kernel on and they had the um the half brick which is a red rye owl um, oh nice yeah nice. I, two pints of that slipped down very very easy um and, and then after that we went to uh a new micro pub that's opened up in Colchester called The Magnet, which is in what used to be uh, a pub um, between the station and the Vic, basically. I think it was the Norfolk Arms, was, yeah, was it? Pub. Yeah, um, basically they've split the pub in two and they've now got a micro pub and the other side is going to be uh, what they're saying, what they're calling it a high-end uh, fish and chip restaurant um so we we visited the magnet um and yeah it was uh looked very new smelt very new obviously it's you know they've just finished the decorating in there uh, a couple of hand pumps of uh cask beers from colchester brewery um quite the range of colchester brewery bottles as as well and what bottles also from some boltoffs which which i think is a a local brewery that specialize in Belgian style beers in, okay. in, in the Colchester area, and and then I had a few keg taps as as well, which are uh, was a nice contrast. And I've never the first micro pub I've been in where I've seen keg offering as 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 well. Normally it's just the cask offering, um, but we had a few beers in there as as well, and we we, we had a had a thoroughly good time. So um, yeah, quite the quite the beery weekend for. For, for, for us this past one was oh uh, yeah i mean I, I finished off with the sunday going out for a spot lunch with michael um and went to a pub where i stayed at back in december and had a couple of nice pints of dartmoor brewery beer the jail ale and the dartmoor ipa both very nice they also make some food but once again i was disappointed uh, by how people were acting um when i say acting I don't think they think they were doing anything wrong. So there was a, a table of five and then another couple who were already at another table just came and joined them. So that made a table of seven, which I'm pretty certain um, is above the rule of six. Um, and then when the landlady challenged them, but she only challenged them about the checking in, they said, oh, why? So I, yeah, I, I was like, 
Really? I mean, I mean, they haven't been challenged on the fact that they've got seven there now. So I just think because they were locals and they're literally at the on the River Tamar, so you're not really getting passing traffic. They obviously felt fairly confident, um, but it was disappointing. I'm not saying they're all going to suddenly get fucking COVID, but why can't people just stick to the rules for a little while longer? Yeah, and and I think I think some of these rules will be here to stay, and it's it's just going to be you know how life is now. I think you know certainly things like I, I think we're going to see uh, more mask wearing in in, in public, um, and I, I think people need to get get used to that. I mean, I I have to say our experiences over the weekend seemed to be that people were generally behaving themselves and were, were, were following the rules, following the guidelines. Um, we didn't see any instances of anybody not doing, doing that, that, that was for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, you just have to take a cursory look at Twitter to, to, to see that there are um, landlords and bar staff that are getting very frustrated with the great British public that don't seem to be able to follow a simple set of guidelines. And to be fair on this occasion, it tends to be a fairly simple set of guidelines. Yeah, you've, you've got you've got to check in when you get to a venue. You've got to keep your mask on until you've sat down and you don't have more than six people at the table. It's, it's as simple as that, isn't it? Yeah, and you put your mask on. We went to a sports bar afterwards and there was a guy watching the football who decided he didn't need to wear a mask when he was walking around because he would then go wear his partner's lanyard, which was an exemption. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't think you. I don't think it's interchangeable. No, no, it's no. no. <laughs> I don't think your exemption's interchangeable. Um, it's just, it was just frustrating. So it's not about having a moan fest, and it's these. You know, these things will ease. Like you say, I don't know if everyone's going to go, but. I just think there are going to be other people who will be impacted by them, by people being selfish, whether that be someone being nervous about it or being paranoid about it or being anxious about it, because people are just thinking of themselves. And that's all we're talking about. This is where this is just selfish. That's it. There's no other, there isn't anything else that you can describe it as. So it was disappointing. So although I went back there because I had a really nice experience back in December, I won't return. So yeah. simple as that. It only only takes one experience, doesn't it, for you to to, to not go back again? Yeah, and I, these are things which I I will remember because there are some places which are being brilliant, and the clientele who go there are being very good. It's when people feel they're exempt for whatever reason, it's just peeing me off. Well, just just one more um, beer adventure from me, and and that is uh, once again the return of opinions on wheels. Because I just want to say uh, thank you to people um, who uh, donated some money towards my fundraiser. I did complete uh, 101 miles over that weekend, um, broken up over the space of three rides. Each of the rides uh, perfectly accompanied by pouring rain. As, as as well um but we got we got through it colin and i got got through the mileage we did it and like i say raised the total of 616 pounds so thanks to everybody that donated to that um really am very very grateful and uh, i celebrated uh finishing that that ride by enjoying um dropped limb from uh duration and verdant which is the saison that they made that they fermented in a cool ship with uh lumps of logs 
in it that they had cut down from the the, the farm to to add stuff to, to it and it was it was nice it was uh it was earthy it was dusty um and there was a subtle funk going on in it but it, it seemed like the perfect beer to, to to celebrate my achievement with well i mean well done um you did have some pretty horrendous weather for <laughs> the, the second two rides so i think you did well to get that yeah um early heads up on the friday when you got a bit ahead of yourself as well so i think that probably stood you in quite good stead um, but no, that was, it was a good effort, Steve. And I think that, again, if we think back to this time last year, I don't think you would have seen yourself doing that. Not in the space of three days, no. So, you know, really, really well done. And, you know, any, everyone who uh, sponsored you and got involved as well. Yeah. Well, cheers for that. And, and, and cheers to everyone that, that did uh, donate some pennies. That was a hell of a roundup of Beery Adventures. <laughs> um, what, what, what wasn't it? I mean, I've only got uh, probably a couple of mouthfuls of my uh, four saisons left to go, and this is actually the second pour. We've we've sneaked in a, a cheeky second pour of, of the beers while I've been chatting there. So so let's um, let's get through the news, uh, and and then we'll we'll take some last thoughts on on, on this beer before we, we we get into our next beer. So first up is the news that six degrees. North, um, based in Scotland, uh, are basically downsizing. So this announcement was posted up on on, on, on Twitter. Uh, it was a very um, heartfelt uh, piece that, that they put up. And basically they said that um, COVID has brought huge challenges in the sector, uh, financial instability and emotional and organisational stress. Um, so it's forced them to reflect on what's really important to them. And as a result, they've basically uh, decided to shut two of their bars in Edinburgh and Glasgow and just scout things back a little bit just to focus on um, where they're based in the northeast of Scotland. Um, so focusing on brewing the beer, um, their new canned range that they've got um, and, and just to scale the business back to ensure that the business survives going forward which seems to be a very sensible move yeah i mean it's better to do it now than do it when you have to do it as in at the right end of it and it probably won't do it make any difference but, i mean i think it's probably worth mentioning now that you know we are going to be discussing this in a bit more detail next time aren't we steve we, we are because we will be joined um by robert Lindsay, who is the uh, managing director owner of uh six degrees north and we'll be chatting to him um uh, about their decision to, to downscale in a bit more detail then uh next up on the news um there's, there's a lot about micro pubs in in this week's show it's almost like it's a bit of a theme um <laughs> is that there's a uh, a film um, is about to be launched, uh, all based on micropubs. Um, basically, uh, a group of people have got together to uh, look at the growing phenomenon of micropubs, uh, and it's called Micropubs the New Local. Um, and at the moment, it's due to launch on the 12th of June. There is a premiere evening where you can buy tickets to go along to. I think they're going to do a bit of a question and answer with the people that were involved in the making of the film. And then they're going to premiere the film as well. So what we'll do, if, if you are interested in that um, and maybe ways in which you can get hold of the film after it's premiered, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes and you can have a look at that if that's your sort of 
thing. And then finally for the news uh, is, uh, again, more, 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 I suppose, pandemic-related news, and that's the, the, the news that six pubs um, are being demolished or converted each week during this, this dark last year or so. Now, this was something that you came across today, wasn't it? Yeah, just I got spotted in the uh, morning advertiser. And, you know, I think we had a, didn't we have a period pre-COVID where the rate of pub closures had slowed to its like lowest, lowest level for a number of years. Um, but yeah, pubs lost during the pandemic, they're saying is 384 in total. And, you know, they've got a bit of a split as well. So the Southeast, they're saying 62 pubs have gone. Uh, Southwest 30, Yorkshire 27, East 44, London, I say only, but only 23. Um, but London seems to have less pubs than a lot of the other areas, but then some areas do cover quite a wide area. A wide, like Yorkshire and stuff like that is, is a big area. Um, but I think it just adds up, doesn't it? I mean, I know that some places have opened and we obviously still get tap rooms opening and even the micro pub you referenced as well, Steve, but almost 400 pubs sadly have gone in, in the space of what, 15 months. Um, some of those may have been shit, let's be honest. But yeah. this amount of the, even a shit pub is usually someone's favourite. Yeah, and, and and I suppose if you look at um, obviously the six degrees north decision, they possibly saw what was going to happen if if they carried on trying to spread themselves too thin. So that they, they decided that rather than see those venues close, they've they've actually handed them over to new tenants. Essentially, that 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 will the, the bars will still stay open, albeit not under the, the six degrees north banner. Yeah, so you know, you know, they said we'll get to talk to him more about it, get to speak to Robert, but hopefully it's a decision which secures the long-term future of Six Degrees North, and and hopefully one one and similar decisions like that that will stop this surge of of pubs closing because we we don't want that, do we? We don't because no. once we know that once we've lost these places, we've lost them. Very very rarely do they come back. Yeah, there's very rarely a resurrection. So it's sad news um, and, and hopefully anyone who was impacted by it has, has managed to find something else as well. But it is a, it's a large number. So you can see, and that just illustrates the problems that this industry has had now yeah. over the last 15 to 16 months. So keep supporting your locals, folks. It's, it's as simple as that. Otherwise you will lose them. Use them or lose them, as they yeah. say. Yeah. Final thoughts then on our homemade beers. Um, I know I've I've certainly had a couple of my my, my four saisons. It's, it's relatively easy to drink. It's uh, it's enjoyable. It's not going to win any awards, um, but it is it is a tasty beer. Uh, yeah, I mean I'd say the same about mine. I've, I've I've been supping away, not really having to think about it, but I've been enjoying it. I know I've been enjoying it. I haven't, I haven't put it down to stop it. I've carried on going back for more more sups. I am basically down to the end of it now. Um, I have put the rest of it back in the fridge and we'll see how that is in four or five days time from the night of recording yeah it was an interesting experiment uh, as i said to you steve when you asked me about it i said i am curious my curiosity has been satisfied and i haven't been left disappointed no no i haven't and i think i will probably continue to use it as well uh how regular is is is, is another thing but it's, it's certainly something that i'll continue looking to explore Moving on to our second beer of the evening. 
So this is uh, Other World. It's an extra special bitter, and it's a collab between Yeasty Boys and Utopian. Yeah, no, we, I think we may have referenced this a little while back when they did the launch for this as uh, one of the Utopian evenings. And I certainly enjoyed it then. And um, I heard a rumour that uh, John Keeling said it was the second best ESB, but I also heard a rumour that he said that about a number of other ESBs over the last 18 months. <laughs> so who knows what may be the first one. Answers on a postcard. But I really, really did enjoy this the first time round I had it. So... It's sitting in the glass. It's looking at me. So we dive in? <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Mm. It's got a really malty, earthy quality to it, hasn't it? Yeah. Bit of sweetness. Um, maybe a little bit of uh, some hints of marmalade going on in there as, as, Which as is, well. Is, 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 you know, very similar to the notes you get off of Fuller's beer from their yeast as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is very, very close to to, to Fuller's ESB. This one. Yeah, um, this always feels like it's got slightly more earthy, malty uh, quality to it. To the first time round, I had it. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I'm not sure whether they've done uh, a second run of it or whether it's the uh, same one from the original batch that's just got a little bit more age on it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I, I know when we attended the on online launch that this was part of, there are a few people saying that it was suffering from can shock, which I'm still not sure is is, is a thing or not. But apparently it is. That came up because um, I actually challenged um, Sarah on that on the virtual beer tastings it got mentioned, and um, she she did note that a lot of the time, especially for these smaller releases and small batch releases, that you would be getting your cans from a bottle shop more often than not, and so there is a period of time where it's been waiting yeah, yeah, and settling. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and I have to admit that hadn't I hadn't considered that because prior to that conversation. I was thinking that can shop things a load of bollocks. So, um, I'm glad well... it wasn't just me. I know. <laughs> I was like, that. I was, I was, I was becoming, becoming one of those phrases, which it just seemed to be a catch-all for anything, which wasn't quite right. Um, but potentially it is. Maybe you know we're now getting the stuff so quickly from the breweries, but the beers they used to do but they used to then send out a small pack. You might then get a couple of weeks later via your normal online retailer, or for example, when you order something from Beer Central. So when it comes out, but you don't have it for another three or four weeks, maybe longer by the time you built up your box. Um, and you probably you probably haven't had a beer which you would describe as having any form of can shop when you did it from Beer Central. So maybe there is an element of truth in there that you can sometimes have certain beers too quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is very well-rounded now. Yes. It's very balanced. It's, it's got definitely got that sort of cast quality to it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really enjoyable. Um, it's, uh, it's becoming a bit of a, a catchphrase, this, but I don't think it's going to last too long in the glass. I, yeah, I, but we're I really not the only ones who have this problem. No, um, beer evaporation is 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 a very real problem that that, that we seem to suffer from these days. It, it really is. Now we were uh, sent 
this by uh, Stu and, and the team at Yeasty Boys. Uh, this and a few other beers to try as as well from kind of a bit of a, a relaunched range that they've got now and, and to coincide with the uh, release of a triple IPA as, as well, which we're going to be trying shortly. Um, but uh, Yeasty Boys are now brewing uh, all of their stuff at Utopian, aren't, aren't they? And they've 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 developed uh, a new yeast strain as well that they're using in all of their beers, which they've called Cosmic Yeast in in true Yeasty Boys manner. Um, but it's a it's a strain of Kvike yeast that they've basically developed and and they now use in in all of their beers. So um, this ESB is, has been brewed using the new Cosmic Yeast that that they have. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting route to go. Um, I had the Digital IPA and the Pot Kelt Black that they sent over as well. And both of them were tasting banging. Um, whatever this Cosmic Yeast is doing, plus their partnership with Utopian, I'm not sure Yeasty Boys beers have tasted better, in my mind. I, I, I would agree. I, I think they are reaching an absolute peak in, in, in terms of what their beers are tasting like and how they're presenting them as well. The, yeah. the, yeast, the yeast strain is working really well in their beers. Definitely. And can I just uh, a shout out personally to Stu for the beers that he did send us? He sent us both a personalised note. Yeah. With the beers as well. such a lovely touch. Yeah. Um, which was really nice thing to say. One was about the, the discussion that we had with Combi. And on my side, one was about... Um, Allison scoring that last minute goal for Liverpool with a, an awesome header. Stu's a bit of a Liverpool fan as well. So really, that really did make, mean a lot. I really appreciated it. And obviously, massive thanks to the beers. But I think this is a wonderful partnership. Yeasty yeah. Boys and Utopian. It's, it's, uh, yeah, and, it, and this beer, you know, they've taken the ethos of Utopian by using all British ingredients, effectively. But Utopian haven't got an ale. No, no. So this is kind of sits partly in their range as well. It's got a foot in each camp, hasn't it? Yeah. And like I said, I think this is tasting great, but I think the, a good way of testing that is sometimes go back to those core beers. Although Digital IPA is an annual release beer now, isn't it? Yeah, I, I didn't realise that had happened. Um, but in, in, in some of the notes that, that, that Stu sent over, he said that, yeah, digit, digital IPA is now only a, a, a once a year beer. Um, and that's that's quite interesting because that was a core beer, wasn't it? And like I said, still tasting fantastic as well. So I am rather surprised about that. When he's maybe it's brewed once a year, but three never months, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I shall, I shall look forward um, to trying those myself. Before this beer does actually evaporate from the glass, we should probably get on to this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. So this was, again, continuing on a theme um, about micropubs. And uh, we asked, what is it that defines a micropub for you? So we had 400 votes, 73.5% of people going for the size or the capacity of the place, 18.5% uh, going for the beer range, 2.5% going for location, and 5.5% going for other 
um, which uh, may get picked up in some of the comments that we're going to go through. Now, we have done a poll on micropubs before, which was back in September 2019, and that was simply asking whether people loved or hated them. Um, overwhelmingly, 90.3% of people back then actually loved the concept of, of a micropub. And I think what we've seen happen in the sort of 18 months, almost two years since that poll, is we are seeing more micropubs appearing as, as, as I say I visited a new one in Colchester uh, at, at the weekend um, you, you know there are a couple of others in, in in Essex I know you've got a couple near you as as, as, as well um, and we are seeing more and, and, and more of them aren't we well let's let's go through some of the comments this week and then uh, we'll we'll share our views on this one so from Mark Johnson I went for location and I'm surprised to see it have so few votes although I suppose it ties in with size. A micropub to me is a small pub bar environment set up in a non-pub setting, i.e. in a high street shop rather than one of the premises of a traditional licensed public house. From Kerry Jones at Sejon, if a micropub was defined as not a micropub because they don't have any, only cask, then one of the oldest micropubs in the north of Wales, Mulder Ale House, wouldn't class as one and it most certainly is a micropub. It's a fantastic little venue, and Gareth does an excellent job supporting so many independent small breweries, local and not so local, and it's one of my favourite places to go buy beer, either to take away or when we can drink in. From Can I Get a P? At Can I Get a P? Yep, there's elements I don't agree with, like no lager and no spirits. Smacks of being a club for a specific kind of person. I could understand not doing shots, but not doing a G&T or any of the great lagers that have spouted here is a dumb move. And then from James at James Moosh. It does need to be small, but can't just be any small pub. It also must be independent and have a micropub attitude, which is tricky to define, but I think we all know it when we see it. Uh, and from the grumpy brewer at the brewery lad, a micropub should not just be a small bar. I agree with the main ideals of the micropub association, and it, but it should have a limited drink trade based around a selection of real ales and the layout should promote conversation amongst the punters overseen by a great governor. Aid at Ada Rose 88. For me, it's about a no-frills experience. Beer, seats, toilets. That's about it. From Mappy Man at Mappy Man 1. If you're visiting a new town and you have a feeling of slight discomfort on first entering because you know it's going to be like an urban slaughtered lamb but with less chairs, then it's a micro. If not, it's a pub. And then from Stephen O'Kane at Socrates 9. I've only been in a couple of micropubs when over in Britain on holiday. Here in Northern Ireland, it's practically impossible for someone to open one due to awfully anti antiquated alcohol licensing laws that hold back pubs from flourishing in many different ways. From Mike McGuire at McGuire Mike. I'd like to see more micropubs set up out of town. Pubs and shops are no longer the centre of housing estates they once were. From Matt Curtis at Total Curtis. For me, it's a pub in a former shop, but it still feels like a shop and not a pub. From Neil Palmer at Neil Palmer 5, for me, it's all about strangers coming together and becoming friends, even if that's just for the amount of time they visit, which is why being small is key, i.e. you've got no choice but to sit close and most likely strike up conversations. And then finally, from Bexley Brewery at Bexley Brewery, as well as our own micropub, we deliver to many more across South East London and Kent. They're all unique with their own style, character and quirkiness, and they also serve a range of beers, ciders, wines and spirits. The only thing that should define a micro is its size. So quite a range of uh, differing views there on 
what makes a micro pub or what defines a micro pub. Um, now there is, as somebody mentioned, uh, a micro pub association is isn't there, and, and there I know indeed. that you micro pub and a micro brewery association now as well. Okay, um, we'll put a, a link in the show notes so, so, so people can have a, have a look through on that. But there is an actual, they have an actual definition of, of what a micro pub should be, don't they? Yes. So according to their, uh, their, their homepage, a micro pub is a small free house which listens to its customers, mainly serves car scales, promotes conversation, shuns all forms of electronic entertainment and dabbles in traditional pub snacks. And that's it. That is their definition of a micropub as per their association. That's um, interesting. Do, do, do you think? Um, well, you know, camera, camera were able to define what real ale is. Um, and maybe the micropub and microbrewery association have watched the world tie itself up in knots about how to define craft ale and decided they should come up with something. Um I, plenty of the micropubs I have been to do tend to be small. Um, Carscale is obviously the predominant beer available. Um, the shuns all forms of electronic entertainment, including mobile phones. And you have some of those idiotic statements up like phone will be taken off you or you'll be like a swear box kind of fine. Um, and the most recent visit I did to a, a micropub they did only have traditional pub snacks. So effectively crisps, nuts, and pork scratchings, if we're defining that, that mm. as traditional. So yeah, I wouldn't say it's a million miles away from what people expect there to be as a, a micro pub. Well, I mean, you, what was taking that as a definition, Steve, before we get into our own thoughts, how would you apply that to your most recent visit, which was only very recently to the Magnet? Now, th- th- it's quite interesting actually, because personally, I, I felt the, that the magnet was a bit too big to, to, to be a micro pub. The ones I've been in before have been a lot smaller. Um, and I think um, going with what uh, Matt Curtis said for, for about it being a pub that's in a shop um, and it still feels like a shop, shop and not a pub, that's very much been my experience in, in the past. Now, the, the magnet has obviously opened up inside of what used to be a pub um albeit they've redesigned it and it's it, it's quite interesting because even while we're in there because em, em and i were out with some friends and uh, our, our friends not necessarily as, as as beery as 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 you and i um actually said why we're in there well what makes it a micro pub what why is this a micro pub why isn't it just a pub why isn't it a bar and and, and i think that's that's the key thing is that when you're when your average punter can't actually distinguish between it just being a normal pub or something smaller, then is it actually a micro pub or, or, or are they just using that as a label to set them aside from the crowd sort of thing? I haven't been to the Magnet, but I, I had been to the Norfolk previously. Um, not necessarily out of choice. It's where other people may have wanted to go and they sh- and or they showed the football as well. Um by far and away, one of my least favourite pubs ever in culture. So, so I'm glad it's been put to better use. Um, Just say, say exactly what you mean, mate. Oh, but like, mate, my last experience in there, there was the, me and one other person watching Colchester United in the playoffs. And they said I couldn't have my beer in a glass because it was a football day. 
Really? There's two of us in here. By the start of the second half, there was none of us in there. Fuckers. Um, But anyway, you brought back bad memories there. No, um, I think on this occasion, although I haven't been in there, I think perhaps they are using the term micropub to their advantage. Because Colchester hasn't got a micropub. Um, People visiting the town may well say, oh, where can I go for a drink? Oh, look, there's a micropub. Five, less than five minutes walk from the station before you even get into town. Or if you're a visiting fan for the football, ah, there's a micropub and I can still get the bus up to the stadium from there as well. So I think they're maybe being a bit cute. And that's not to say there's anything wrong with the actual pub because I haven't been in there. But I think maybe they're being a bit fast and loose with using the terminology. Because, um, you know, they've got the hand pumps. You said they've got range of other drinks and keg line as well well five keg lines this this was a font with five keg taps on it so there's there's Feels clearly like <laughs> there's clearly there's a cellar somewhere and and, and yeah to, to, to me i've got to say and, and don't get me wrong it's, it's it's a lovely place and there was a lovely environment and atmosphere in there yesterday afternoon um and, and by the sounds of it this was their opening weekend and they've been very well supported by the local community um but it's uh it's a pub it's a small pub it's it, it's not a micro pub it's got none of the quirkiness uh, that i've experienced in other micro pubs yeah, and that is something which I think um, I've experienced in the past. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit in two minds. About it. I mean, my, I mean, I suppose from their point of view, they're better positioned to open now, being a bigger micro pub in inverted commas than some micro pubs would be to who would definitely struggle to fit X amount of people into the social distancing space we have now. Um, you know, going back to one of the comments that someone made about bit small you're sitting close to people conversation then comes up in a social distancing environment that happens less unless you're already in your group of six and i can picture some micro pubs i've been to um hot beer shop once you've got six people around the table there isn't going to be much room for other people to be there and be distanced as well so that would be a struggle so perhaps the magnet is being a bit cute there as well um, I think some micropubs can be a bit clicky. Yeah, I've, I've experienced um, that in a couple that I've been in as well. You know, not a million miles away from that, you know, the old saloon door opening and everything going silent. And partly that's just because there's a group of people who really like what's going on in there. But because it's smaller, there isn't anywhere to hide from it either. Mm. So that plays against it. I think they have. I definitely think they have a place. I, I I like the idea that you could, you can convert an unused shop. And let's face it, we all know high streets with unused shops these days, don't we? Yeah. So if it can be put to a good use and and people enjoy it and people like going to them, then it is another option. And I would I applaud that. The definition that they've come up with, I quite like, um, but. I know there's people people who I uh, who I spend time with who wouldn't have any interest in going to a, a, what we class as a micropub. That phase, which someone said, may not be able to define it, but we can recognise it. Mm. Some people I know just wouldn't be interested in being a micropub for any length of time. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with that. But what what is what is the thing that makes a micropub for you? So if we go back to the actual question, 
what what do you think is the defining characteristic of a micro pub the obvious thing is the size so it is a small area it is an area that has been repurposed from something completely different previously not so much location i mean i know what mark is saying about it being on the high street um but it is the fact that you go in there and it looks busy but it's busy because it's got about seven people in there uh and then it's all about cask and a lot of them will do the thing about having all the cast bits on the wall and stuff like that. So it's sized in beer. You're expecting to get cast when you go into a micropub straight away, aren't you? Yeah. I think you're looking for it as well. And you're looking, you're probably looking for local cask yeah. as, as, as well. You're hoping they've got local cask. But yeah. I'd, on, on, on the whole, I'd agree with what you're saying there. For, for me, it's a, it's a size thing. Um, and it's then what, what are the beers that you're offering and, is, is it local? Be, because that's essentially what you're looking for, isn't it? Yeah, and that would be my deal. I, I, if I went in and found that actually they didn't have much on local and the cast choices were really limited, I would question if it's a micropub. It would seem that you and I have very similar views on, on, on what we believe a micropub to be. Uh, loads of great views from our listeners this week as well. And as always, that's just a snapshot of, of some of those comments. There will be a link in the show notes to the question. You can uh, click on that. You can look at all the responses uh, and you can keep your views on this one coming in. Use the hashtag opinions and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and Bitter in Lingerness. Write it down. First up from Hugh at H Yardley 33. Great show. I'm on holiday in England early July and driving between Southampton and York. I now have my halfway stop destination on that journey. The wife can drive the second leg. Also a gallon of 10% Russian Imperial Stout right off your next day. And then from Paul at Ewan RCD. Excellent episode, everyone. Loved the passion. Beers sounded awesome, as did the Port Pie Festival. Currently checking the dates for 2022. From Malt Travail at Malt underscore Ale. Fantastic listen. Pie Fest definitely in the diary for August and lashings of round corner hopping spree. From Rich Taylor. Great episode. I've never wanted a pork pie, some Stilton cheese and an impy stout as much as I did today. Also, thanks for putting on a great summer sesh and looking forward to meeting people for actual real-life beers soon. And from Mappy Man, brilliant stuff, love the passion. Well, fancy that. Pie Fest 2021 is on my birthday weekend. Mrs. M has fallen off the sofa when I told her how we are celebrating. From Beers Without Frontiers, podcast at beers underscore frontiers. Great show again, guys. Combi's infectious enthusiasm made for great listening. Hoping to see some round corner make it over to the pubs of Warwickshire. And then from James Gammon Barron, great episode. Combi is a great evangelist, not for just for round corner, but for good beer, tap rooms and garden centres. Their tap room is 25 miles from my in-laws, so I'm going to have to bite the bullet and visit them so I can get to the tap and get some pies too. Sounds like a lot of people are going to be descending on, on Melton Mowbray, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I might have got in just at the right time before everybody it's, else makes it there. I mean, it's looking that way, but I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that people appreciated and got the passion that came across from Combi, because that's certainly how we felt. Um, and it's definitely how you felt, Steve, judging by your prompt booking and arranging of the birthday weekend for Emma. Um, she's a lucky girl getting a treat around corner. Isn't she just? Isn't she? (laughs) But no, I'm really pleased because we felt it on the night. 
well, you know, that Monday night recording was art straight after the weekend of Summer Sesh. And uh, I wouldn't say we were jaded, but we we're definitely feeling a little bit tired. Combi's enthusiasm and passion for all things Melton Mowbray, Round Corner, good beer, and where it is really lifted us um, with his energy and stuff. So I'm glad it came across. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree, actually. It was it was a struggle to think about recording that night. Um, but the, the, the minute Combi joined us on, on, on Zoom, yeah, the, the, the enthusiasm, the energy was there. And, and it just um, it, it just enabled us to kind of ride along that on, on that way with him a little bit. Um, and he dragged us along and it was it was a great show. And yeah, I mean, I, I can speak very much from a personal point of view now. It is it's well worth the trip. Um, because it is a it's a lovely little space, and you are going to drink some fantastic beers while you, while you're there as well. Final thoughts on the other world extra special bitter, and apparently you have to you have to call it an extra special bit, bitter. You can't actually call it an ESB, can you? Because it's it's that particular phrase that's trademarked by Fuller's. Yes, which I think we only found out on that, or I certainly only found out when we had the that was part of the Lord's Reviews Opium. No, it was uh, on the um, it was on the Neptune birthday party. Oh well, yeah, of course, because, because they had brought an es oh, an extra special bitter out. Yeah, yeah, and 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 there was a conversation how their first batch of that was called ESB, and then Mister Keelan politely pointed out to them that they weren't allowed to do that. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I, I didn't know. I didn't know you could actually have a style like that. But I suppose uh, Green King have been trying to do that with IPA for years, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Brand it. Um, it's. I would. I would really, really like to have that beer on cask that we just had. The other world. I think the qualities of it, the earthiness, the malty backbone, that little bit of orange marmalade that you referenced, would all sing on cask. I also think on cask through a hand pull. I think you'd also. The life, the life. I mean, there's a. I wouldn't say there's a lack of life in the beer I had, but I think in cask it would just raise it to another level mm-hmm. as well, and it would really, really sing. Yeah, I think I think it'd work well to soften some of the notes and and, and just bring a tad more balance. So I mean, it's re- it is really really balanced anyway. Don't don't get me wrong, um, but you put that on cask, and that becomes a different beer almost. I mean, it becomes a really dangerous beer, 5.4%, because I reckon you would really be able to session those as well on cask. Yes, yeah. And that's a lovely segue. Talking of dangerous beers, um, we're now going to move on to Yeasty Boy's latest release, which is Engelbert Pumpernickel. It's a triple IPA, which comes in at 9.2%. They have released this to um, coincide with pubs and bars and venues opening again. Um, It's the second time this beer has been released. It was previously a um, collaboration between Yeasty Boys, Firestone Walker, and I want to say the other one is Panhead. That is looking class in a glass, mate. Um, It it looks thick, doesn't it? It does look thick. I I mean, for a triple IPA, considering some of the triple IPAs that you and I have actually sampled this year, it's actually a reasonable number, nine point two percent. Yes, well, reason reasonable. Yeah. And it's uh, in comparison to, <laughs> and and it's what we choose to finish this week's show with. But um, let's let's get into this because I've just had a little nose on it, and that is resinous. Yeah. Oh, cheers. cheers. Cool. It's really got that orange again, hasn't it? 
it's got a real pithiness to it, isn't it? Oh, there's a little, quite a, um, a high residue of sweetness on my lips afterwards, but not coating my mouth or anything like that. Um, it's not. It's not got any sort of dankness about it at all. It's got, I would say it's got a bit of a hop haze in the glass. Would you say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is kind of maybe bordering a little bit on on on, on what you'd call murky. Maybe. Um, I'm gonna go. For, I'm gonna go with the the hop haze, but fantastic carbonation. You know, two finger head in the glass on on it. Nice and white foamy. That is really tasty. That is actually a good beer to finish an, an evening's recording on, mate. Where does the uh, where does the bitterness hit for you on on um, that? For me, it sort of comes halfway through. Um, I'm not getting it at the end. At the end, it is more the fruit and the um, and the, I'm still getting all the aroma and stuff. But the actual bitterness, there's a bit of dryness maybe at the end, but the actual bitterness sort of comes halfway through for me. Yeah, that's that. That's what I found that on on that first sip that I took, it, it kind of hit as I was taking the second and third sip of it. And then it, it kind of dissipated a little bit by the time it got through to the finish. And what you got was the pithy dry sweetness on the end. That That's really clever, actually, that, that mm. bitterness hits in the middle rather than it's on been, the finish. Although what I would say is it makes you want to go back in even quicker. <laughs> yeah. With the bitterness. Yeah. Because, you know, some, a lot of time for me, it's the bitterness that then draws me back. Um, and I do wonder whether this cosmic yeast that they're now using and stuff the, the you know which is some sort of derivative of the clike yeast where that's also adding to this flavor which we're getting Possibly, especially with the orange yeah. notes um so but it's really well balanced um i said 9.2 percent dangerous beer but very sensibly in a 330 can Yes, yeah, which goes back to what uh, we were talking about on the last show with, with with Combi, the big beers in small cans, please. I want to see more of this. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why you'd, people would think otherwise. No, no matter how much you enjoy it. Um, yeah, that's that is really good. I think mean, you know. I said it earlier. I think Yeasty Boys are smashing it at the moment, and I think their partnership with Utopian. I hope this carries on going for a long while yet. It's. it's t- I, I honestly believe it's taken them to another level. In, in yeah. terms of their beer, I couldn't agree more. And you know, there seems to be a real mutual respect between them as well, between Yeasty Boys and Utopian. And it can only help each other because eventually people will start realizing that there's a connection between the two. You then might think, oh, well, if I like Yeasty Boys, I'll seek out Utopian or vice versa. I think it's going to be a, this is a wonderful partnership that I think can pay real big dividends. Yeah, agree, and um, very excited to see what's gonna what's gonna be coming from them in 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 the future because they, uh, I mean, certainly those beers that they sent over to us there were some some new ones that I've not seen before from yeah, the, the, the Easty Boys. There's a there's a black IPA in there, and there's a there's a Belgian beer in there as Bel- well. Yeah, so, Belgian Golden Ale, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to to to, to try those. Uh, I, I really am. Plus the, as, as you say, you, you know, if you've, if you've gone back into the di- digital IPA and the pot kettle black, um, it's been a while since I've had those beers. So I'm, I'm looking forward to giving them a go again. Yeah. You're, like I said, I would be massively surprised if you don't have a similar sort of, uh, outlook as I did after you had them. Yeah. Um, well, we are very, very grateful to, to Stu and the team, uh, Yeasty Boys, for getting in touch and for sending across um, a few beers for us to try. Uh, we 
certainly have thoroughly enjoyed these two that, that we're drinking on this evening's show. Um, we're also very grateful to the folks at the Greater Good Fresh Brewing Co. for sending us the pinter kits to, to try and for um, giving Martin and I our first experience of making beer at home um, to varying degrees of success, it, it would seem. Well, I think we mentioned it a couple of times tonight in terms of we've got what we've got coming up on the next show, um, mate. But do you want to just remind our listeners what, what's happening? Yeah, no problem, Steve. So we've got Robert at Six Degrees North. Now, obviously, we referenced the news earlier about the day and size and the repositioning of the company and what they want to do. So we're going to try some of the beers. They're going to be, I think some of the beers we're going to receive are going to be in the 330 or 440 cans that they're now producing. And be, I think it'd be a really interesting discussion to discuss listen to how they're going to bring it back to being local while still being influenced by the international beer styles they're renowned for. So very much looking forward to that discussion with Robert. Yeah, and it seems interesting times as well, because at the same time that they've done this downsizing, they've also launched all of their beers into cans as as well. So yeah, looking forward to that and certainly looking forward to trying some of their beers. I think for you and I right now, mate, we're probably just going to go away and um, enjoy this triple IPA for for the rest of the evening. And I think that's how we'll leave our listeners with that image in their head of you and I slowly sipping this, this wonderful beer. So thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.